Welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. I'm so excited to share a new guest with you today, a wonderful human being by the name of Bear Weil. We met at a workshop, and I won't go into too much detail because we talk about it in the episode, but this is a fun little tidbit. We met at a workshop called the Soul Centered Series. And when I took his number into my phone, because I fell in love with him at first sight, I put him into my phone as Bear Soul, because I didn't know his last name at the time. And I tell you, that was the universe working in my favor. Because this man, as you will feel for the next 45 minutes or so, is pure love and soul. I'm really excited for you to listen in on everything that came up for us today on being human. Enjoy. So, Bear, I am so excited to have you on What Moves You with Jesse. Um, I feel like I should kind of let let folks know as as we just had a little, uh, what do they call that, a tete-a-tete or a tete-a-tete? <laughs> Depending on which accent you're using. Uh, So for everybody out there listening, um, I met Bear in a really beautiful uh, community of three principles, which is what I share on this podcast all the time, the inside out experience and inside out understanding, I should say. And um, it was called the soul centered series with Miss Rohini Ross, somebody that we both love and adore. And uh, she, I was, I was help assisting the program and, and Bear was there and all of his sparkle (laughs) and all of his, all of his magic. And um, I would just, honestly, I would say that you were somebody that um, out of all the folks that were in the, in the group, Every morning in our in our early mornings, grabbing our coffee and kind of getting it together, you were truly I say sparkle because it, you are just um, a light bulb bear, and I I've loved that we've stayed in touch and um, passed past that workshop. And um, the reason why I wanted Bear to come on the program is because when we talk, we just dive right into that beautiful feeling that is available for all of us. The conversation may go 10 different directions, but the feeling is what stays present the entire time. And I always feel so good when we talk and after we talk. So when I started to have this idea of uh, who could I have on to start, you know, kind of spicing it up and had mom on, which everybody loves. Um, But, you know, and mom and I even talked about, you know, who else, you know, could you have on that could have these types of conversations with you? And Bear, you were the first person that popped up in my mind. So um, thank you for being willing and open um, for sharing who you are with everyone. And, uh, what do you do in your days, sir? What do you do? What is it? What is it that you? Who? Who else gets your magic? <laughs> well, 
Okay, so let's address the magic first. <laughs> um, because, see, this is what I love is that, you, well, there's a couple of things coming to mind. One is, is that, that was a very lovely introduction, by the way. 10 years, 20 years ago, I, I, that would have made me squirm, you know? Yeah. Um, but here's why it doesn't make me squirm anymore is because I could very easily describe you the same way. <laughs> you know? Because when we would connect in the back of that classroom before the class started, we, just, we would just connect and yeah. we would just start talking and we would have a good time. And, you know, and so that's what I do with my days. You know, to, to whatever, you know, I try to meet people where they are. I don't, um, you know, I have very strong views that are based really on my experience, but I'm really careful to not, I, 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 here's how I learned it. I learned it by talking to my daughters mainly. Because when I first uh, stumbled on the, this understanding of the three principles and Sydney Banks and George and Linda and Rohini and Angus and everybody, um, I became a crusader almost immediately and i had to tell everybody in the world about what i found and and i would be telling talk to my daughters about it and i'd see their roll eyes roll back in their heads <laughs> you know <laughs> and i would realize oh oh too much yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so i'd have to stop and one time i was doing that with my younger daughter and we were we were having lunch together and i was talking with her and she just goes like this she goes I'm tapping out. And I, but I kept going and then she did it again. I'm tapping out. And then I got it. Oh, too much. You know, yeah. so I just stopped all that. And so now it's like, you know, if, if, if I see something and, and sometimes I see it and I'll share it and it won't land with people. And I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with that. Because um, it doesn't have to land. Because I can just, uh, all I have to do is look at me and I can see how I learn. And it's really clear to me that I can't see until I can see. Yeah. That's really, really clear. So, um, yeah, that's what I do all day. <laughs> and watch Dodger games and go swimming and Go for yeah. a hike. That, that's what I do every day. I love that. You know, it's, it's so familiar to me, the, uh, what you said about becoming the crusader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the first couple of years, definitely the first year, when I had my insight, and I've said this story over and over to the folks listening, so they, they, they know it. But, you know, this insight when I was really depressed and I was working at, at an agency and I got in the shower and it was me putting my head over going, God, I'm so tired of thinking the same 10 thoughts. And in that moment, from this deep place, this fresh thought came through that everything, all of my suffering was coming from my thoughts, not from 
the people and the circumstances that I thought they were coming from. And then, of course, that's what led me to calling my mom. And mom said, that sounds a lot like a man like Sydney, named Sidney Banks. He, you know, it's the three principles. And that's what led me on my journey of, of then finding this, this understanding. And <laughs> once I got over my <laughs> slight little ego reaction of, wait, this isn't something new that I have found. <laughs> I thought nobody, you know, I thought this was something fresh because, you know, I come from a family of psychologists. so. In my worldview, it was something new, you know, to have to, to realize how, you know, how much your thinking can contaminate your experience of life. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I became that crusader just like you. So I got the giggles for at least a solid year. I would, every conversation I was in, you know, that's just thought. That's just thought. That's just yeah. thought. And, yeah. and my moment like your daughter of hitting the table of like, I tap out was I have three older sisters and one of them said to me that another one of my sisters had said to her, I haven't seen Jesse in a while, but you know, how's she doing? And then they had that conversation. And then she said, why don't you, why don't you just call her? And she was like, I don't know. Is she still talking about thought all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And although I was a little bit like bummed for a good second and I licked my wounds, I remember I was driving home from my sister's house who told me that, you know, that she had said that. And at first I was like, what? I mean, how could you not want to hear or learn about this? You know, had that. And then it dawned on me, just like it dawned on you, that me pushing that agenda was making everybody get in their head, which was the complete antithesis of getting a beautiful feeling to be able to see something new and fresh. And I was totally just adding to the noise in their heads, even though I was so enthusiastic. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's uh, an amazing thing when you realize that, and then you just it, it it gives you freedom to just live your life. Yeah, it's really cool how it doesn't matter anymore. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, because I, I, I'm so crystal clear that people can't see until they can, because I couldn't until I could, and and I spent a huge, huge chunk of my life just beating the holy shit out of myself because I didn't get it, whatever it was. I didn't even know what it was, you know? And and it turns out all it is is just being where my feet are. Wow, yeah. I'd heard things like that. You know, I've heard for years. So I remember when I was really young, I was working in a restaurant and this other guy that worked in the restaurant, he was, you know, this was back in the 60s. So we were all hippies, right? (laughs) And he was talking about being present. And that sounded really hippie to me. And, um, And I didn't understand it. I honestly didn't. And I used to ask him questions about it. I remember asking him, so when I get a song stuck in my head, am I not being present? 
And he said, correct. <laughs> and I still didn't get it. Yeah. It just because I wasn't ready. I wasn't open enough or I hadn't let go. And I don't know what it is, but I didn't get it. You know, and now it makes perfect sense to me. Yes. When you were t sharing just this last, that last little piece, um, there are two words that, that you say that I just love. And one is, or phrases. Yeah. One is, it occurred to me. And the other one was, it dawned on me. Yeah. I just love those words. I, I love them so much, I, I made a list. <laughs> this is what I do. You know, this is what I do with my day. So, so it occurs to me, it dawns on me, it becomes clear. It turns out, comes to me. And then there's, there's one that I stole from Sid Banks, the penny dropped. Yes. I don't use that one very often, but I was thinking about that earlier today because I had an experience um, when I was about 28 years old where I had the, and I think I might have shared this with you when we talked last time, but I don't remember if I did for sure because I talk about this stuff so much. That, yeah. You know, um, I repeat that, all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we'll, I'll just share with you what oh, it yeah. was again. Yeah. It, it, what it was, was I had been, I was in this program. Uh, it was a recovery program that my mother-in-law was in. And she was in recovery for alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And this particular program wanted to um, uh, treat the whole family. Okay. And so... I came home from work one day and Norma was telling me, we have to go to these meetings. They want us to go to these meetings. And the meetings were three days a week. And they were, um, you know, I think, I forget, Monday, Wednesday and Thursday or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and we lived in Oxnard and these meetings were in a hospital in San Pedro. So it was like an hour and a half drive each way. Three, on a good day <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um and and it was and i was going just to be moral support for my mother-in-law and the rest of the family because i didn't have any alcoholism in my family and they would do these things where well they had three parts to it they had the first part was um they called it well, they didn't have a name for it. It was a meeting where we would meet as a group in a, in a room with a counselor. And it was all relatives of the, the people who were in the treatment program, the alcoholics or addicts or whatever they were. So, and, and eh, you know, it was my mother-in-law, so I didn't really put much energy into it. You know, it was like I was kind of along for the ride. Then the second part was after that, they would have what they called education that was in a big theater style room, you know, where they had a stage and a screen and they would show films about alcoholism. They would have lectures about alcoholism. They would bring in panels and talk about alcoholism. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't know anything about it. And it, and it was like all new. 
and and not knowing anything about it, you know, and learning about it and starting to see how pervasive it is because I had no idea at the time. Right. And and so um, the third part of that of that program each night was a, a meeting with a counselor. Sometimes they'd have two or even three in the room, but usually there was one lead counselor that we met with every time. And she would, she would say things to me that would just go over my head and know what she was talking about. And one of those things was one time they handed out these questionnaires and we were to take them home, fill them out, and bring them back. And so I did. I answered all the questions to the best of my ability. Went back, and she, um, I think it must have been the next session after that, she pulled out mine, and she said, um, you answered one question on here, and I don't understand your answer. And I go, oh, really? She goes, yeah, you, you, the, the question was something like, uh, describe your family or describe your childhood or something like that, you know? And, I, and the interesting thing was that that point in my life, I had almost no memory of my childhood. Wow. Almost none. There were a couple of little events, occasional events that I could remember, but generally, nothing. So I wrote some kind of a glossy, you know, grew up with four brothers and one sister and a dog and a cat and a big happy family kind of thing. And she says, she points to that answer. And she says, that answer doesn't tell me anything. Go, well, what do you want to know? She goes, I want to know what it was like. I go, that is what it was like. She goes, no, I want to know what was it like. And this is going over my head. I don't know what she was talking about. And then finally she leans over and she kind of whispers in my ear. She says, who are you trying to protect? What the hell are you talking about? In my mind. Yeah. I didn't say that, but that's <laughs> what I thought. I didn't know what she was talking about. So she laid, laid off of me and went and ganged up on somebody else for a while, you know. And, and um, we left that night and in the car on the way home, who are you trying to protect just started uh, doing a tape loop? Was just going over. Who are you trying to protect? Who are you trying to protect? Who are you trying to protect? And then, boom. The penny dropped, but it was like a one-ton penny. And it was like, my dad's an alcoholic. Bam. Oh, wow. And I, I like to look back at that as my first real spiritual awakening. You know? Yes. Because I had no clue up to that point. I mean, you can call it, you can call it denial, I suppose. But if it was denial, it was in no way conscious. Right. You know? So, so that was just the way it was. So then, then it was kind of funny because then I started this quest. And the quest was to um, uncover this, the secrets of the family that the, what else, you know, if that's going on, what else is going on? And, and, and I, but I was looking, I wasn't looking for an answer to the, those questions as much as I was looking for 
the key that would explain everything. Interesting. The key that would explain my family, the key that would explain, um, and I didn't know it then, but I was depressed. Like, you know, if I had been diagnosed any time during my life from about, I don't know, well, from about probably 10 or 11 years old, wow. all the way up into my 50s. Wow. I would have been diagnosed with um, major depression. Yeah. Because eventually I was. Right. But in my 50s. Yeah. So, um, so nothing conscious, you know, it was just, I know looking back, it's like, you know, it occurred to me that I was just trying to protect myself. I was just trying to do the best I could with what I had, with what I understood at that time. Yes. So it made sense that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be carrying those memories around all the time. I was having enough trouble dealing with, with the present and the memories that I did have, you know, the adult memories or the, the teenage memories, you know? Yes. So, um, so, yeah, I love that whole, it occurred to me. Yes. Yeah. And so, and that really helps me with like, with my daughter. Yes. Or with anybody else, because I don't, it, it takes away any um, expectation of somebody having to get it. What, um, thank you for sharing that story. You actually hadn't told me that story. So that was fresh for me. So that's why yeah. I'm so quiet because I'm really just, I'm, I'm swimming in it. Um, it's just so beautiful. What do you think? Uh, so did that kind of feel like the beginning of, obviously in hindsight, cause when you're in the middle of it, you kind of, you're just in the middle of it. But does that feel like that was your first <clears throat> realization of, like, did you see that your mind was at play there at that point? Or was that something? No, 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 no. No. No, no I didn't see it like that at all. Um, it was still, I was still the, in fact, that was kind of the key, looking for the key. I was still looking for the circumstance or the event or the, you know, what was it? I actually did discover when I, I discovered, like, the moment when the depression started. I could put my finger right on it. And here's how I know I could do it was yep. because it really hurt. When I would think about that, that moment and that situation, it hurt. Yes. And so, um, and I knew that was when it started because it was, it was, I'll share with you what it was. My, uh, I was in school and I loved school until about fourth grade. And, and the, um, I got sick. I had the mumps, I think. And I was out of school for a week. And when I went back, the class had gotten ahead of me. And I didn't know what to do about it. Oh, yes. I didn't know that I could ask for help. Yes. I knew I couldn't get it from my parents. Because they were all caught up in what they were caught up in. Yes. So I knew they weren't available. My siblings, definitely not. We were too busy fighting with each other. <laughs> um, 
And so um, I didn't know what to do. And so what my mind did was that, and now I know it was my mind. Yeah. It came up with a solution. And the solution was, oh, screw it. Nobody else cares. Why should I? And I just quit. I quit school. I quit doing, I, I went from that point all the way through high school and well into college. Didn't do an assignment. Didn't do homework. Didn't wow. read any of the books I was supposed to read. Wow. And somehow they graduated. I was going to say, and how did you even go to college? Like, did you even want, why did you even want to? I mean, does that even? Well, yeah, you know, that came, that came, it took me seven years to get an AA degree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was, I like, I always said that I was rudderless during that period of my life. I was rudderless. I, I was just blown with the wind. I didn't know, you know, what was what. Um, but two things. One was I, I learned to swim in high school. I think we did talk about that. Yes. And, and I learned to swim in high school, and I, and, and I learned to swim because I joined the swim team. That's right. The coach said he didn't care if he could swim or not. If you couldn't swim, he'd teach you. And so I thought, well, nothing to lose there. So I went out for swimming. So um, when I went to college, the college I went to didn't have a pool. So that wasn't motivation. But they built one while I was going to school there. And I wanted to swim. So I got my grades up enough so I could swim. Isn't that amazing? And then after my two years of swimming, um, I... Uh, I decided I wanted to try a four-year school. And, and so I got my grades up so I could get into, I went to uh, San Francisco State and I studied art. And um, I only stayed a year. That was yeah. all I could take. <laughs> and then, uh, um, you know, one thing led to another and I ended up in my career and married and all that. So yeah. never finished school, but, um, you know, now it's kind of a moot point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how when it, um, it kind of is in theme with what we're talking about. When it matters, then it'll matter. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning, you know, um, I recently had, I would say probably, and just even just a week ago, I had this old thought system, this old circuit show up um, that was just making me feel insecure. It was very humbling because I haven't had one in quite a while that made me tank mm -hmm. <laughs> in a mood. Yeah. Of course, I have we all have insecure thinking all the time, but you know, typically I can see right through it and be like, oh, no, thank you. You know, but this last one, I would say, I was so, I'm so, even in the midst of it, oh, makes me misty eyed. Even in the midst of it, I was so grateful to know. Gotta grab the tissues. <laughs> yeah. I've got a box handy. <laughs> <laughs> this is also why we get along so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> in the midst of it, I was so grateful to know 
that I was okay and that, you know, I would find my energy again or the energy would just show up for all this, you know, I, was, I had all these ideas of things that I could be more productive at that I wasn't or if even feeling excited about, you know, things that I, was tip, I would typically feel excited about, I wasn't. And, you know, I just, it was kind of, it, it just showed up to me for me as really real as something I needed to do something about. Yeah. And, uh, man, I would, I was talking to Mike about it and he would just, it's so endearing to me that he could just be present with me, kind of help me try to see around it. But at the same time go, you know, you know, this, it's just that it doesn't, it's not hitting you really hard right now. You know, it's, it's for whatever reason, it's really keeping you, keeping you, I didn't feel stuck because that doesn't feel like the right word, but attached to these ideas. Yeah. And I was so grateful to know that I, that it would pass, but my God, I was just, I kind of was getting at my wits end of feeling the, the uncomfortability, you know, it's like what I share with folks all the time is being uncomfortable is okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but man, my patience was wearing thin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and and we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But man, it just, it, what, the thing that occurred to me was, it, like a few, it was a few days of me staying, of staying in that and kind of feeling like I was going through the motions of life. And, and that feels yucky to me because I, you know, you know, it's like the more that you break out of your head, the feeling that comes from life you know i mean i could have i could i could see something in a really beautiful light and it'll move me to tears normally yeah so when i feel really distant from life it like i i almost grieve what i know i'm missing that's <laughs> an odd thing anyway mike was on his way home from being out in the world and he texted me i'm on my way home and i had this moment of going oh good that means I can, I can tell them all about how I'm still having all these thoughts. Yeah. I, actually, I actually thought that. And that was the thing that made me go, wait a second. Wait a second. So he's been out all day. And I'm, I am so relieved because the second he walks in the door, I'm going to just wrestle him to the ground and give him, you know, tell him all about my bad mood. What a bummer is that? And just that made me kind of reflect and go, wait, if it's a bummer for him, that's a bummer for me. So what am I doing? And it dawned on me that it was just this old, these old beliefs that I was choosing to play in the sandbox with. And I thought, wait a second, I don't, I can choose differently. I, those can show up and then I can go, no, thanks. I'm not in the mood anymore. And then I felt free again. And when he walked in, I didn't even share any of it because it fell away. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nice. It's yeah. it's an it was an, it, and it's and when I when I why I connect that to when it matters and it'll matter. Right. Is because I know these things deep down. I'm I talk to these to people about this stuff day in and day out. It's my favorite conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And yet for whatever reason for several days it was more important to me to engage in the in these in these old beliefs and and not see around them. Yeah. And I was doing my best to not judge myself for it because I knew that wouldn't make it any better. Um, but I was having kind of a hard time finding my faith that it would move on. And it was amazing to see how all of a sudden, the more you relax into that, at some point, even if you, even if you can't see straight, at some point, it'll occur to you <laughs> how to help yourself. And that's, that's what happened. You know, it's like all of a sudden in this moment, I couldn't have thought my way to going, you know, you should, you should, you should not be swimming in all of these crappy things and, and spewing it all over Mike's life. Cause that's making his life a bummer. I couldn't have thought my way to that, but it was in this moment where it just hit me that I didn't want to do that anymore. And in that process is what made me realize, well, I don't want to do that to myself either. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, that's so funny because one time I, I was having this kind of conversation with somebody and I just, you know, I have this sense of humor that has shown up in recent years and and uh wait are you saying this hasn't been you forever because your humor is feels like it's just been there's a part been, of there's been a, a a fraction of it there for <laughs> yeah 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 but i but i've found that it's it's um been blossoming more and more lately <laughs> I, I, so anyway, I was having a conversation like this with somebody and i said oh oh hashtag me too and then I thought, well, that's probably not the politically correct use of that term. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's so true. But my God, it definitely feels. You it know. sounded funny to me at the time, you know. <laughs> Obviously, it still does. Ah, <laughs> uh, mm. just amazing to to yeah. realize our humanity and. Um, just nice to feel relaxed about it, no matter what. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I was I was on a meeting this morning, and and um, what was the meeting about? It was about <clears throat> it was in a different context, but it was about um, I'm going to kind of give it away, but. I don't care. It was about being restored, restored to sanity. Okay. Okay. So some people will know where I got that, but that's okay. Um, and, and it occurred to me, this, this experience that I had had just a few years ago, maybe three years ago, I, I went to Ikea and I was gonna, um, if you see my house, it's like, it's, 
combination of mid-century modern and 21st century Ikea. (laughs) Well, you've done it beautifully, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So I was sitting in the, I went to the little cafeteria and I was having a meal there and I was watching this couple and they had a little, a little, wasn't even a toddler yet. It was a baby that could just barely stand. And, and the dad was sitting with the baby standing on his legs, facing him. And the baby was like grabbing the dad's nose, grabbing the dad's ear, you know, grabbing the dad's cheek, just playing with his dad. And the kid was having so much fun. Just he'd do it and his dad would make a face and he'd laugh and he's just having the best time. His dad was having a great time, and his mom was having a great time. I was having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Just watching it, and and it was so fun to watch. And eventually, they got up, and they, um, you know, they left. And then I finished my meal, and I got up, and I was walking through the showroom, and and they were in the the showroom where all the living room furniture, the sofas and everything were, and they were trying out sofas and stuff. And so I walked up to them and I said, I just got to tell you how much I enjoyed watching you guys with your child. And, and while I was talking with them, they were talking, you know, about how much they enjoy their child. And I'm going, that is so obvious. (laughs) And, and it occurred to me, And I said it, I said, you know, what I like about watching that was your child was so here and so now. Everything's here and now. And and to me, that is sanity. Yes. That's sanity. And and, And this kid is proof that we all come into this world with it. It's not a foreign thing. We come in with it, but then somehow it gets, you know, we get distracted by things and we start adding meaning to things that don't actually have meaning and we start getting caught up in ourselves and, and then before you know it, we're insane. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. For lack of a better term. For lack of a better term, yeah. Yeah, but we're not really. We're just, we're, to me, we're just, um, we're just navigating the territory, learning, and, and eventually, one way or another, we all come back to that state that that little kid was experiencing. Yes. It's kind of when I, I share with folks about... Um, Kind of at the beginning stages of, of, of teaching, you know, waking them up to the fundamentals of how they're creating things inside. And oftentimes I'll use the example of, of um, someone being at the end of their life. Yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, I personally have heard it from two people on, on their way out and even if somebody hasn't heard it directly to them, they've definitely heard it from other people, other stories, but that, like you said, we, we return to that sanity and oftentimes then we we're looking back in our life and going, Oh my God, 
there were so many times, you know, whether it's, I wish I would have said, I love you more. You know, I wish I would have gone after that dream job or any of the, you know, I wish I would have left that marriage sooner. We have so much hindsight around how it's just whatever is present in our mind that we were taking seriously that stopped us from doing what our heart desired. And it, you know, it's this kind of a, it's a sobering thought because everybody can kind of relate to that where it's like, you know, you get to the end of your life and, you know, we, we throw it around in society so often, like, don't have, don't have regrets, don't have regrets. And it's like, you know, without having any kind of understanding of what that even means on a deeper level, that just adds more pressure. <laughs> but, you know, but when you kind of break it down and you realize, like you said, and seeing, seeing that in a child and then um, also seeing that or hearing that from somebody who's on the other end, <clears throat> you know, you realize that it's everything in the middle that we've, you know, that we're, that we're working with and, and trying to manage inside of ourselves that, takes us out of that place of freedom to go where the, you know, go where, you know, so it's present for me to say is what our heart desires, you know, whatever that even means. Yeah. It, you know, I, um, I think it's really, really hard to have a regret when I'm present. Yes. It's really hard. It's like, can't hold it. <laughs> I used to be able to hold it. I'm going to hold on to it for years. And now I can't hold it. What's this world coming to? Jesse? <laughs> that is so good. That is so true. Yeah. Can't hold it. Oh my yeah, God. You know, I, what you were talking about, because I've been, I've been uh, in fact, this week is the first anniversary of a very, very dear and close friend who passed away. Mm. And so a small group of us got together on the day she passed, which the anniversary was Monday. And, um, and we met on the beach. And um, so I've experienced her, I've experienced three deaths during, since the pandemic started her and then another um, really long time friend that, that I had, he was, I think I might've talked with you about him. He was 99 years old yes. yeah. and oh. just, just a character and just a lot of fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> he drove his family nuts, but <laughs> he was fun for me anyway. Um, and then there was, um, Another really, really close friend that I hiked with, and we, 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 I did things together with him, and, and uh, we used to, we were both Dodger fans, and we'd be watching a, a Dodger game and texting each other, you know, about the game, you know, and um, and so I miss him, but um, and then I, I had my, you know, I took care of my dad until he passed away for the last few years of his life. Then I took care of my mom who had severe dementia for the last few years of her life. And then I had this other friend who was a close friend of, of a man who was really, really close and probably the one man that's had the most um, uh, profound effect on me 
in my life. You know, he was a man that I always described as the kindest, most loving man I've ever known. Wow. And he and I got to be close friends for 19 years. Wow. And um, so I took care of his wife before she passed. And she had severe, excuse me, severe dementia too. And the dementia piece of it is interesting because we couldn't communicate verbally. And and even and what and the nonverbal communication was real difficult to read, mm-hmm. you know. But as I watched these people come to the ends of their lives and in ways that they weren't able to communicate, so there was no um, regretting that I didn't say I love you to them because it just there was never the opportunity. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but what I did get to do was I got to show it, you know, I got to show up, I got to go visit and, 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 and that was one of those things where when I would go to visit them, especially as the diseases progressed, not with my dad, because my dad kind of went more, he went over the period of about a week. He just, he decided to go and he went, (laughs) that's what he did. And, and I respect him for that. Yeah. But um, but my mom and this other woman, they went the long, slow way. And, um, and I would just go sit with them. I'd go sit. Just sit. And one of them, the, 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 um, her name was Dolores, the friend, um, when hospice took over and was coming on a regular basis, the, the nurse... And I were talking, you know, about visiting. And I, and I just told him, I said, you know, I, I just go and I just bring some love into the room. That's all I do. I just go and sit with her and just sit in love. And that's enough. And he go, he, he lit up, you know. Goes, yeah. <laughs> See, that's enough. That's it. Yeah. That is it. That's it. It's the answer. Always, always present. There's, it doesn't go anywhere. It's always present. <laughs> like you said at the beginning, it's wherever your feet are. Yeah. You know, I you're... I didn't always see it. Say again. I just didn't always see it. Yes. Exactly. You're making me think of this. Uh, <clears throat> I recently watched a video with Dick and Bettinger, who, you know, we all love and adore. And uh, he had said something about uh, I can't remember the context of the question that somebody had given him, but He said, have you ever noticed, and this makes me think of your Ikea moment, he said, said, have you ever noticed, you know, if somebody brings a baby into like a waiting room, (laughs) they're not talking about what they're teaching or how they're bringing in a good feeling or trying to change anybody's moods or, you know, he said, you know, they just, they just, they're brought into the room. And immediately 
the feeling changes around them. People are pulled into even just looking at the baby or talking about the baby with the mom or, you know, it's like just their being immediately shifts how everybody's feeling around it. And he said, you know, it was, he was pointing, pointing to exactly what you're pointing to that. And what we've kind of already shared about, you know, that that is at the core, that is our essence, every single person, whether you remember it or, or feel it or not like that is what is constantly us. And seeing the the power in just being with people i think that was i think that's what it was is that somebody was kind of asking around about how to be more of a a powerful you know coach or a helper and help helping navigate somebody's issues <clears throat> and uh and he he said he, he didn't even talk to any of those parts of the question he just shared this story you know and then he said what do you think about that and then the person who had you know, posed the question, said, I get it. Just being with people. Yeah. Is what drops them into that feeling in themselves. And uh, it's amazing what we can see when we're in that space. And what we can feel and how so many people don't feel that very often, you know. So when you get a little taste of it, you know, and then Dickon did say, and then it's good. Then it is your job for them to realize that it's not you bringing them that good feeling. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to catch on to that one. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. Me too. I remember at the very beginning of me kind of seeing this stuff, when I would get caught up in my head, I would play a Sydney Banks audio and go, oh, I need to go on a walk and listen to a Sid audio and that'll get me back to it. Mm -hmm. Now, it inevitably would, but it wasn't Sid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the fact that I wasn't, you know, paying attention to all of my upset. <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that love is here all the time. It's, there, there is no time. You can't, you can't take it away. You can't, it's just ever present. And, and it's um, ever available. And it doesn't go anywhere. It's us that our attention gets diverted or we get distracted or we forget or we get caught up in our thinking. And, and I do it. Just like you were talking about, I do it. I, I remember taking on this volunteer position a, a couple of years ago and, and just I, 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 I knew what I had to do. And when I would look at it, it just looked like a lot. And it, and it was overwhelming. And I, and I couldn't, I just couldn't, I felt like I couldn't do it. And then I'd start worrying about, well, it's gonna, this is going to start affecting other people. <laughs> and they're going to know I didn't do it, you know? <laughs> and then I just, and then it would boom, off to the races, you know? Yes. 
And, but, but I had enough understanding at that point to know that it was my thinking, even though I was caught up in it. I knew it, that's what, I knew what it was. Yes. I know how to stop it. Yes. In the moment. And the way it stopped was I just started doing stuff. I just, take one, I just took one step in the direction of getting some of that stuff done, not worrying about all of it, just do one thing. And then I, started, then I felt better. Yes. And then before I knew it, I was on track. And I was, and you know, uh, I, I'm really okay with being human. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> I love that. And that's been my experience too. It's amazing what happens, what, what, what our mind serves us up when we, when we just, you know, just start moving. And I don't mean that in a pressury way, but just, just yeah. exactly like what you're yeah. talking about. Just like what you're talking about. Yeah. Just put one foot in front of the other. That's all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and take breaks. Yeah. You know? Sit down, watch a Dodger game, and don't feel guilty because I'm not doing all those things I think I'm supposed to be doing. Just exactly have a, have a life. Have a life. Yeah. What a concept. <laughs> you mean okay, you mean have a life? Yeah. <laughs> you mean oh, I think concept? I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so good. You know, the idea of like, oh, we're actually allowed to enjoy life on our way to whatever it is that we think, you know, we all think we're supposed to just like work our asses off and be in burnout mode until there's some elusive place to reach, goal to reach to where then we're going to be re relaxed and happy and be able to enjoy life. Yeah, either that or hang on to that idea, that old idea of life sucks and then you die. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh God. The things we do. We used to think, Jesse, the things we used to think. Exactly. Oh, Bear. Well, it's been an hour. That flew. <laughs> I knew it would. I knew it would. Uh, well, thank you so much. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Yeah, my pleasure. It has. It really has. And um, let's do it again. Please. I would love to have you back on. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to call you anyway just for our normal catch-ups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're open to it, well, I would this, love to. See, this didn't feel like anything other than that. I me. know. Me you too. Know, so. Yeah, let's do it again soon, whether um, you record it or not. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't leave me yet. I want to say goodbye to you properly after I hang oh, up okay. the call with everybody. But okay. let's. Uh, but I will say goodbye to everybody who's listening. And thank you again, Bear, for joining us. It was a pleasure. So wonderful. All right. See you all next week, everybody. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to share with friends and family and give us a rate and review on iTunes so more folks find us in this little corner of the podcast world. And give me a call. The hotline is always open for questions and comments. The number is 818-646-JESS. 
That's 818-646-JESS. Sending love in all directions, and I'll see you next week.